Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Hey, am I coming through my microphone or my laptop, Rob? You're, you can tell um, the difference. You sound you sound okay. You're a little uh, robot-y, maybe, but... Huh. Darn, I didn't but, check before I started recording, and now I can't check. You can't check? Yeah, you can. Well, not with this dumb oh. app. Well, it's only been a minute. It, now, I, I'd say it's okay to stop it now. Yeah, but then I'm going to have to create a new chat room or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Frick. Well, let's just let's just gamble. Let's do it. Let's, let's just gamble. Jump let's in. Let's gamble. Plus, we mm. don't want to lose the first minute of this one because it's yeah. been good. It's been really good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anybody so, got anything this morning? Well, is this... I got, I got lots of start? stuff you... you you guys just need to unlock it from me by saying something this to get me started. <laughs> Your caged beast is full of gold over there. Right. Uh, hey, do you remember when Rocky boxed on Athos? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is this the start of a new season? Oh, it should be. Yeah, the school year started. New school year, new season. New is, the Ocho, is the Ocho over? Yeah, I think the Ocho's over. Man, yeah. we had a that we had a good run though with the Ocho. That's that was probably the season that had the most episodes in it. it Help that we did for a while. We were doing like multiple a week. Yeah, because during we were... the unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. The Ocho is very 2020. I'm kind of mm-hmm. over it. It's actually very <laughs> like 2008 because it's a joke from Dodgeball. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's like 2004, man. That's a good point. I feel like when we change seasons, it's uh, there's something big happening. Can't mm-hmm. can't exactly put my finger on it, but yeah, we're we're well, moving like, with the spirits of the time, the zeitgeist. Let's no, the Z, the spirit of the time moves with us. When Ooh. we change seasons, it changes things. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so we're decided. Good. Yep. It's season 10. Should we hold a quick vote? Nice. Season 10. Forget yeah, season, season 10. Nine. Oh, for sure. Season 9 is the lost season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll be looking for that. Mm. For years. <laughs> Should we hold a quick vote? All in favor? Uh, I second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, I'm, gonna uh, I'm gonna abstain. No? abstain. And ab- abstentions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, motion passes. Second. Um, what's up, Rob? How are you doing, dude? Doing good, man. Doing good. I have. I brought a uh, spiritual question. If nice. you want it, yeah. Yeah. You you feeling this? Uh, doing good here. Here's my question that I don't know the answer to, but um, do you guys know what hope is? <laughs> hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. Oh, yes. There's a That's lady it. in my parish whose name is Hope, Esperanza. Oh, yeah. Did you be thinking mm-hmm. of her? 
Yeah. That was a that was a common away message that uh quote from Shawshank Redemption. Hope remember is a good that thing. one? Hope maybe the best of things. Oh, I didn't I'm know that's where that's pull from. that up. Do you remember that? Quote mm. it's the uh thing he writes to Morgan Freeman. Mm. What is hope? Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. Quote by Stephen King. Did Stephen King write the Shawshank Redemption? I'm not sure. This is from from a different thing. Is it based on a book? What is hope? I'm thinking of um, that podcast from... uh, What's that called? The Place We Find Ourselves? Mm. You ever listen to that one about hope? I listened to the one on trauma that was really good. I don't know if I listened to the one on hope. Maybe. I feel like they talk about hope in a lot of their episodes. Yeah. I think it's just called why your story makes it hard to hope or something like that. It kind of went uh, viral among focus people and others. Um, I remember I I preached a homily on it at... uh, Somewhere and like a bunch of people were like, hey, have you listened to this podcast? I'm like, yeah, actually, I stole all the ideas from it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And now I can't. It was a couple years ago, so I can't remember. Real quick, would you say that we are focus people or focus people or Three Dogs North people? Or is it just a coincidence? Um, Let's put it this way. I'm betting that this episode is going to go viral among focus people. Yeah. (laughs) Well said. Well said. (laughs) Yeah, it was something like um, this is this is great radio because it's just us, me trying to regurgitate something badly, paraphrasing badly a podcast from years ago. <laughs> this is what we do. Listen to the original, but uh, no, it was it was made me think a lot. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with everything that that guy says all the time, or at least it doesn't it doesn't sit with me perfectly. But this one made a lot of sense in that hope is not um, hope is not like an optimism that everything's going to work out okay. You know, there's there's a tension to Christian hope and acknowledging that um, this side of heaven, I can't just trust that all my desires, the deepest and the most shallow, like everything that I want, God is going to give me like that shallow. Well, God loves me. So he wants me, me to be happy. So why doesn't he give me what I want? Um, there is, <clears throat> there is a sense of um, needing to embrace the cross and let some of those desires die in hope of like, you know, like celibacy is, you know, a sign of, a, of hope that, I'm not going to, there's nothing here that is ever going to truly satisfy my desire for intimacy, relationship, fruitfulness. So I'm going to let that desire die so that like in the future, I'm trusting that God will fulfill that. Um, but his, his point is like that <clears throat> way of thinking can sometimes lead to some unproductive and but yet pious ways of thinking um like for example um repressing your desire uh 
or moralizing slash spiritualizing saying like, well, I really want, um, say, I don't know, a person like hoping to get married to try to find a spouse or, or some, a couple really wanting to have a child and they are not able to get pregnant right away. Some deep, good, holy desire that doesn't seem to be fulfilled. Um, a lot of times you'll hear from a Christian like, well, maybe I'm making an idol of this. So I need to, I need to stop wanting it so much. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like maybe God just doesn't want to give that to me. So I need to stop wanting it because that's what a good Christian would do is like, just kind of take it, accept it. Um, rather the kind of Augustinian idea of like, no, keep praying for things. God wants you to ask him for things so that your desire would grow. Um, and the, the line from the podcast was like, it's true not all of your desires will be fulfilled in this life, but you don't know which ones. You know, some of some of your desires for spiritual and non-spiritual things, will God will provide for. So hope is trusting the person, God, that he has your best interest in mind and, and will, will fulfill your desires and, um, like allowing your hope to grow rather than making your reverence for God shrink all your desires. So you're just like, all right, God, well, I guess, I guess you don't really want to give me that. So I'm not going to get my hopes up. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, but so hope makes you really vulnerable because you're, you're like going through life just expecting God to do things. And while it's true in the world marred by sin, you're not going to get everything you want. And it's also like, obviously you're not, God is not this vending machine and it's not the Christian thing to just like, Oh, I'm going to, instead of trying to go out into the world and, and get everything I want from a selfish perspective, my life is not about just getting things that I want. You know, it's about transforming your desires so that your your primary purpose and driving force is not selfish desire, but self-gift. Um, but even that is not just a destruction of your personality, of your, you know, your drive in life. It's a sublimation of that desire to be fulfilled because the only way to really be fulfilled is to give yourself away in love. You know, um, and so I said, I think we talked about this years ago, like I became a priest for selfish reasons because I thought it would fulfill me. You know what I mean? Um, not selfish in the sense of, uh, you know, hopefully not just like an immature kid that just, you know, takes what he wants or, you know, cries when he doesn't get what he wants. But like a more, as you grow up, you realize like, if I really want to be happy, this is what it's going to cost. And, uh, I want to be happy. So I think Peeper calls that selfish self-preservation or selfless self-preservation, meaning like if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. So because I want, because I want to be alive, I'm going to go ahead and die on this cross because that's the only true way to live. Um, does that make any sense? What do you think, Mike? Well, I got a, I got a question for you, Rob. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, of course that does make sense. 
Um, not of course. Some <laughs> some of the things some of the things made sense in my brain. Um, what where can I ask where this question is coming from, or maybe like the circumstances? Yeah, no, I would just in some conversations. Um, well, the um, yeah, in conversations with some some friends recently it's just and especially with all this stuff like going on it's such a freaking weird time in like the world and um and yeah i think it was shout out to uh zoe in in lincoln because i think it was talking to her like she was the one that asked the question i was like well when we talk about hope like what are we talking about because people need hope right now but what is it and I guess I've just been pondering it since since then of like, it's a curious question of, yeah, I feel I feel like I like when I hear a story of like real hope, you're like, OK, yeah, that's it. But what is it is my question. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Well, Connor, I definitely resonated with um, I mean, there there is a type of. Like relentlessness to it, and um, I mean one of the one of the things from the place we find ourselves that he seems to emphasize and um, seems to assume is that you don't have to you don't have to try to hope, but that it's actually a natural disposition of the human heart that you need to live into. That, um, but it but it constantly makes you vulnerable because. And, and open to being hurt because that hope opens you up to like the interaction of another. And sometimes that doesn't look like what we want. And so the result of that can be disappointment. But one of his big things is to say, no, I continue to return to that place of hope um, that God will provide. Maybe not how you want, but um, that's your actual, that's your natural disposition of your heart. And what we really have to do is, is return there and continue to be open to the possibility of God working. And I don't know what I found in, in talking with people so wait, and can, yep. can I ask a question on that real quick? So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying hope is the natural disposition of our heart. It, it is a natural disposition of the heart. Yeah. Meaning okay. that you don't have to try and conjure it up, but okay. that if you if you get down to the bottom of it, you're always there's always going to be a, a natural inclination to hope for something. Hmm. Okay, I don't yeah. know that I agree with that, but keep going, keep going. I'm well, just I'm thinking. Th- out I, loud. You mean like as you as you come into the world as a kid, you're um, you're just like. I think of kids as very hopeful. Like if you're walking around a, a grocery store. Yeah. The kid's like, Hey, can, can I get this? And like, they're hopeful that their parent will say yes. And they have to learn <laughs> like, no, better not hope for that. Cause that's not going to happen. You know, um, in big and small things. Is that what you're saying? Is that like you come or- out of the womb with these desires and a firm hope that those desires will be fulfilled? No, well, that would be a manifestation of it, but it would be the assumption that 
that there's, there is going to be somebody else who provides for me. And that doesn't mean that they provide how we want or things are going to work out well, like that, this optimism towards a positive outcome. No, but it means, I mean, an extreme example would be like when you're in a really tough situation, um, that you're, you're, you're always going to have a hope for something that there's going to be the possibility of some type of salvation. And, and, and so I'm talking about, that's just an absolute base. And I I don't know if we want to get too stuck on that, but sure. um, Sure. Go ahead. ahead. Well, what you have to do is you have to turn that off. And that's really where like despair comes in is when you say, no, I'm, I'm no longer going to live into the reality of the hope that I have that somebody is going to come and save me or that I am going to be provided for or that I am going to be protected. But, and then when, when you turn that off, you wall yourself in um, so that you can't hope for the the things that your heart desires, but you also, I mean, you also become safe in the sense that, you know, like the C.S. Lewis term of safety, that you block everything out so that you you can't risk being hurt perpetually. So uh, yeah, that's I don't know if y'all want to keep poking questions at that, but well, what you you made me think of something that I read the other day from Interior Freedom um, that Jacques Philippe says that despair is a um, a species of presumption, actually that. It comes from, it's in in a way like despair comes from self-reliance that it resonated with me because I I feel like when I do have inklings of despair, it's when I look at all the problems and think, what could I possibly do about that? Um, The small local problems or the big global problems. And, uh, the only reason I would feel that way is because I think I'm on to do that. You know, like I'm on to fix all that. Or I even could if I had the right skills or resources. And um, I think hope is, it's not just an, it's not just a naive like, well, that'll take care of itself. You know, like I don't have to, I don't have to rinse my, dishes and put them in the dishwasher because uh these things have a way of taking care of themselves like there's you know being a christian doesn't just mean i don't have any job to do um but it it is uh it is a trust a loving trust that uh if i (laughs) the part that i do have this small little garden i have to plant will bear fruit and i am not I'm not the big picture guy here. I'm not the architect. I'm, I'm a worker here. And I, I have this, like getting out of bed and making your bed in the morning is an act of hope because although this is a small little area that I'm creating order out of disorder, it matters, you know? And so I don't despair and just like give up. It's, it's a kind of self-indulgence to be like, well, I guess nothing I do is going to really make a difference, you know? Well, Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind and, of a species of pride, right? Well, and and one of the things that I've noticed in, you know, I don't, I, 
I guess we can we can keep talking about that specific nuance of the, and this is all from what the guy says from uh, the place you find ourselves um, is that that's one of the claims that he makes is that hope is uh, it's something almost inevitable in the human heart and I guess that those are my words to it it's the natural disposition of the human heart but he um, he uses some of the psalms some of the lamentation psalms where the psalmist is just cut down to the core and finds himself like crippled on the ground in the fetal position and just begging for help from the Lord. Um, and that at that point, at the lowest point, when like even physically it images the state of his soul, that he's all the way kind of crushed to the ground, that he doesn't have to conjure up any sort of sentiment of positivity or optimism or like um, a loose hopefulness but that at the depth when he's at his lowest point is when he's actually most open to the action of somebody else coming in and 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 lifting him up which is really what our heart hopes for i and i think that's the point like you're like you're saying connor is that it's not something that we have to do to pick ourselves up, but it's that I actually have a father who's going to take care of me. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure, but my heart always will hope in that. And, you know, one of the things that you were saying about the desire and praying into hope and the temptation to kind of turn off our the, the hope of our heart um, is that, yeah, it, it does open us up to being disappointed at times. Um, and so people will, will kind of cut off their desires and stop praying for things um, because it's not coming to fruition the way that they want. And what I've seen happen with that is that um, people will jump to the, and myself included, like I, I absolutely do this because I don't know what to do otherwise. Um, I'm just going to have a holy indifference to whether or not I care if, if this thing happens or if I get what I want, which is a a really beautiful saintly state to be in, but I I haven't reached it authentically. I kind of jumped over the death that had to occur and the praying into the desire so that, I mean, to follow that image from the psalmist, like crumpled on the ground but then the Lord is the one who picks me up and I say, okay, Lord, whatever you want. So there's that place of the holy indifference where we're actually being saved by the father. But instead I'll jump to, you know what? <laughs> it's whatever you want, Lord, whatever your will is. And mm. which is t- kind of a little sneaky way of taking back control. Isn't it? Yeah. Or, or, or rather even than, rather than let yourself be devastated. You're just like, oh, I see, I see this scary death coming, so I'm just gonna, just gonna mm. go ahead and die yeah. now, and just be yeah. like, no, 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 I don't, I actually don't care, God. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Had, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. So, mm. um, man, that's true, man. I've, I've definitely done that. And 
So to actually, to get to a place of holy indifference, like that the great saints talk about, that St. Ignatius talked about, like he prayed deeply into desires and died to his wants so that God's desire could be fulfilled in him. And I, I think when we let go, hope is, I don't know, maybe hope is like the, the train tracks, the roller coaster that, that leads us and guides us through that process of death and resurrection and, and, um, praying through what we actually want and what God actually desires for us, but that it's an, it's a natural, it's a natural disposition of the heart. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's, that's occurring to me too, and this is kind of a wider perspective on the question is how little, um, power I have over my own interior life. I I mean, I, I become more aware of the importance of my will, the role of my own will in what God is doing in my interior life. Uh, but the idea that like I could, if I just did things different or chose different or prayed different, I could advance my spiritual life more, you know, like I see it more and more as something that God is doing on his own time in his own ways. And, um, it's something to be totally received and even the, the strengthening of my will uh, and my attention and intention to follow him and to listen to him is something he has to do in me. Uh, and the fact that I can't do it perfectly yet is not like it's, it's difficult because it is a limitation on my freedom, but uh paradoxically the way to be more free is to not just grip it and rip it and white knuckle try hard you know but to like nothing in god nothing in my story is wasted in god's plan for my own salvation and um including my own numbness and inabilities and and limitations uh and like really laying laying down and surrendering to however god wants to make me a saint you know to even let go of how that's going to happen or when it's going to happen that itself is like a choice that is part of the process you know but you know setting out on the on the journey so to speak is you kind of think of it as a project like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get a degree in biochemistry okay now i'm also now i'm gonna become a saint like those are two very different things you know but i you you import your methodology from one to the other and it's just totally different is that too vague does that make sense Mm -hmm. um So, but that gives me hope because um, there are things that frustrate me about myself, but um, to just stay, to stay in the gaze of the father and know that like, he doesn't say, oh, it's okay. You're fine the way you are. Um, That's not it to just be like content with things the way they are. It's like, I hope for more i want more but uh 
I can, I can trust that like that's coming. Like I just, there's, you know, it's going to be way better if I just let him do this than if I try to be like, I should be holier. You know what I mean? How do I make that happen? Yeah. Or being mad at myself that I'm like missing out on all this grace. You know what I mean? I've had a, I've had a couple, it's just in the last, has this ever happened to you where like all of a sudden when it rains, it pours. Like I've had three guys reach out to me in the last like 48 hours who um, just want God, you know, and uh, like guys who I've invested in in different ways, um, which is nothing, no fruit ever really came out of it. Um, guys that I, I just felt like the spirit sort of led me to like, Hey, this is, this is, you know, pay attention to this person, this relationship and, uh, an email, a text call all, all in the last like two days. Um, Hey father, I got questions. Can you, you know, hmm. um, and that sort of thing that gives me hope. Cause it's like, yeah, I can't, there's nothing you can do to, to drum up a desire for God in people, no matter how winsome you are or persuasive you are but he's he's working invisibly and so like why even have an agenda i don't know it's it's hard because i I don't think you just go go through life without a plan i'm not a prepper but (laughs) uh having a disposition of like being able to be awed and wondered at what God is doing is sometimes hindered by this desire for power. That's what it is ultimately. Like Adam and Eve taking the taking the fruit. Like I want, I want to be in charge. And then you get in charge, and you're like, ah, never mind. Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, I've I've been reading, and I haven't read it all yet but uh i picked up um like benedict has i think it's an encyclical called saved by hope um and he starts it with paul's line from the romans of in hope we were saved and he ponders the question of like the way i hear him asking it is what what are we talking about when we say hope as something that just because it exists, we are redeemed. Like, I just found that so intriguing in how he kind of enters into the question there. of like, because this thing exists, we are actually redeemed. Hmm. And you, like, you can just keep going through this stuff, like the depth of, of it, of like all the, all the stuff you guys are talking about there. It's like this, I think he uses one at one point in in like the opening part of it is like it's it's the knowledge that our life will not end in emptiness. Mm. But it's but it like the not like I don't even know what knowledge means there. You know what I mean? Like you can just keep kind of parsing this and um but even that experience you were talking about, Ben, it's like that's that's amazing. Like to have because that's so like specific and concrete of like, hey, here's these few guys that all of a sudden there's like some something going on here 
in this like thing that we call redemption and salvation in this, like whatever it is. And somehow it gives you hope, which then somehow allows you to be redeemed. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like the garden, um, in a way where like that itself is such a metaphor for hope, putting seeds in dirt and, and waiting for them to grow and bear fruit. And then there's a time when like all the fruit comes at the same time, you know, and then there's stages like the tomatoes started coming in and then you just have like, you know, 25, 30 tomatoes all at once. And then there's another break and then another round starts to get ripe and you're like pulling them all off. And, um, there's this intermittent reward for just hoping. And like, there's, that's something that you have no control over other than like a few things, putting the seeds in, watering them and waiting and then being attentive and harvesting at the right time. Um, but God gives the growth, you know, um, but it's cool. It's, it's just neat to be aware of like, okay, what's, what's happening right now is these things are, are coming to fruition. And I, I am not making that happen. I'm watching it happen, you know, and, uh, it's thrilling. It's, uh, you delight in it. You look at it. I got this one tomato that looks we were joking that I could use it in a homily for the Trinity because it's like three tomatoes that melded into one big one. <laughs> and it's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, but say again what you just said about your own salvation hope. Well, it's there's just a line that like hit me in that like what I've read from from that it's it's like the living in the knowledge that our life will not end in emptiness. And I think that's how he kind of frames this whole encyclical is kind of pondering the question of what type of hope are we talking about that because it is present, you are redeemed. Like pondering the question from Paul in Romans of in hope we were saved. And he uses the story of, it's like a different, I guess I hear it and could be way off, but here it is like what we've talked about the last few minutes is like the different side of a prism maybe of this thing. But he, he talks about uh, Josephine Balkita and like that beautiful story of like in her life. And I, I don't remember the exact details he, he puts in it, but like the story I know of, of her is she was beaten so badly. She was a slave and she was beaten so badly like her whole life, but then somehow ended up with these people that were Christians and meets Jesus. Um, and her, I think her line was like, now my master has scars too. And that gave her like, that gave her hope which then allowed her to be redeemed and, and to actually live as, as a saint. Um, and again, I'm like, that's so bad of how I just described like that of even what Benedict is talking about. But, but that's the story that he, he uses to try to, um, I think encapsulate like what, what it is, is, is Josephine Bakita. And somehow in that experience, like in this, like 
kind of like most cruel and unfair you know human experiences that she was subjected to for her whole life she still was given this thing hope that redeemed her in the midst of of all of that so i like that kind of like working definition as close as we've come at least of like living in the knowledge that your life will not end in emptiness because that allows at least for again at least you can tell stories of people from like just so many different um, situations and experiences that could say like, no, I've experienced that, whatever it is. Or you've seen people that have experienced it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Someone who's wasting away and dying, but still full of life. Father Oaks, man. Father Oaks. And it's it's not like, and it doesn't let you off the hook because that's not like, that's not an optimism it, it, in there. I mean, even, okay, like thinking about, you know, Father Oaks and his suffering and like before he, before he died or other people that I've seen in that same situation. <clears throat> it's just like, what is happening in you right now? Mm. Because there's no reason to be optimistic here. Um, and it's also the experience of it is certainly not just like a, yeah, naive optimism that like, oh, this is all okay or whatever. I don't even have words for that. No, it's not naive, but it's, it is childlike. That's, that was one of the things that struck me about Oaks was that here's this massive intellect, Mm -hmm. um, who even like had his had his quirks that seemed like not petty, but he would just like <laughs> walking up to Cardinal George at one of those Mundelein things and be like, have you read my new book? You know, it seemed kind of like vain, I guess, yeah. you know. Um, but then in the end, seeing the true him was just. I'll never forget him reading this line from Therese uh, to me and Sister Alicia. Uh, after searching for it for like 15 minutes while we stood there in his hospital room. Um, <laughs> I, I, have to read, I have to read you this line. Uh, and it was uh, There- one of Therese's mom's letters to her sister about Therese when she was a little girl. Did I ever tell you this story? He's like, um, the, the little one is such a scamp. Just the other day she said, oh, mother, I hope you die. And I said, why would you say such a thing? She goes, because you said that you have to die to go to heaven and I want you to go to heaven. Uh, and he's like weeping at this Therese as a little girl saying, you have to die to go to heaven. Mm. And he, there he is dying of pancreatic cancer. He was days away from death and just sure that that was what was going to happen. I mean, not sure in the way that like we're sure of, of other things, but that knowledge, yeah, that my life will not end in emptiness, that this is actually, this is actually good. And dude, when you've seen that and believed it in others, it, it honestly, it does give you hope. It gives me hope, even though I don't want to die. There's so much in me that doesn't want to 
get pancreatic cancer and die. Well, I think but I've, I've I, seen could, someone who had it and was happy. Right. And like, could you word it there that like when you've seen like if that's hope, it like it gives you redemption, it gives you salvation. It's not, and I wonder if that's what I'm trying to like draw like the distinction there, just in my own thinking of like before, I would have said that moment like gave me hope. But I just wonder if the distinction is like, no, experiencing hope in that moment gave me salvation or gave me redemption. Does that make any sense? Like it saved me. Yeah. Hmm. It does, but what do you mean by that exactly? Just that question. I just kind of go back to that question of Benedict of... Like, what are we talking about when we're saved in hope? Like, what is that? What does that mean that if this thing is present, then we are redeemed? Hmm. Well, I guess the, then the next question would be, what does it mean to be redeemed and saved? Well, what does knowledge mean? Like in the definition, like, how do you hmm. like, what does mean that? mean? I know, like, what is, is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's a deep thing, man. It is deep. Um, when I think about the, um, man, it, right. And it's, I mean, it, it is a hard thing that I have experienced in being a priest is um, how to talk about hope to people but not in a like the the positive optimistic positive outcome kind of a way um because yeah like thinking about um father oaks there what is his hope in or i always go back to like the hope of the martyrs you know if, if you were to come up to one of the martyrs and say hey um don't worry you have a father who's going to protect you and that he loves you and he's going to provide for you and then they get eaten by a lion and you're like, okay, somehow I still believe all of those things are true. Even though it didn't like, even though they, 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 they got killed for their faith, that there's still a father who's providing for them, that their, their hope is in something, obviously something different, something more. And it's, it's totally different than, like just optimism. Yeah. For a positive outcome, but that's really difficult to communicate, um, and to actually live by to other people who, who want to hear that specific things are going to be okay. Um, and so I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is that hope, giving people hope as a priest is not the same as saying it's all going to be fine, but it's, kind of being able to live with them in their, in their own desire for things and in their own fear. Um, and trying, try, maybe trying to be a sign of hope for other people. Um, because I'm, I'm pretty quickly tempted to just jump to the let's work for a positive outcome kind of a thing. But, uh, it's a challenge to actually live in authentic hope in front of people um, that's based on something more than, than just that. 
Yeah. Well, and and correct me if I'm wrong too, but like where you, like the rub there is to say like it's a challenge to live in authentic hope, you know, as a sign for people. But that's also my understanding of hope as a theological virtue is that like we can't do it unless it's given to us. Mm. Right. So like you can't, you can't just do this. You can't just like make it happen or, you know, or something like, like the, the whole thing of like a cardinal virtue of like, if you want to be courageous, like find things that make you act with courage and courage will grow. But I, I don't think that's how hope works. Like it has to be given. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you say you have to live in that hope? <laughs> that's what I'm asking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think it is. It's this, it's this constant openness to receiving which, you know, that's like the big IPF deal. And so it, it kind of makes sense. But but the constant openness to receiving is also a constant openness to uh, to things not going exactly how you want them to, which is a, a constant openness to being wounded and to bearing pain as well. Yeah. I guess I was going to think, I was thinking there too of, and again, this isn't, this would be like the flip side of it, I guess, like it, instead of saying like, Hey, I'm going to try to cultivate this thing, um, in order to grow in it. It's like, well, I guess the, the thing that was coming to mind there to that question was gratitude of like watching for things that I'm grateful for and like paying attention to that, mm. um, to say, Hey, somehow even in this like really tough spot or situation or whatever it is, like I can still be present and acknowledge gratitude here, which isn't like, again, I just don't think that's how the, the virtue of hope works is that like, well, okay, I just need to like drum that up. And every day, you know, think of three things that I was grateful for from, from the yeah. day. So like go back and like, Lord, thank you for, um, this situation that actually didn't go well, you know, or this mistake I made. And so it's like, Hey, that's not, that's not like you trying to grow in hope. That's you acknowledging that hope was present in your life. That's a bit what I was trying to say earlier with your, your interior life is so not your own project. Right. And why like the Oaks example to me is, um, particularly poignant because he, you know, he was a, a Jesuit and, you know, St. Ignatius talks about indifference, um, holy indifference to explicitly, he says like to sickness or health, you know, life or death, whatever glorifies God, that's, that's holy indifference. Um, and it was a situation totally outside of his control. Um, and you talked about the, the idea too, of the lamentations of like, you're not, you're not really hopeful until you're crumpled on the ground, you know, and everything is taken from you. And that, in, in that moment, you still choose 
to accept God's gift of my life will not end in emptiness. I'm, I still believe that God provides. Um, and that that's the moment where, and that, that's where the gift was diffusive of itself too, because it gave me hope, even though I'm not yet in that situation where I'm totally beat down and broken, being eaten by a lion or just dying of a disease by myself in a hospital, whatever way that the vessel gets broken open. Um, like Father Oaks was a priest in that moment, even though uh, I remember that same, that same visit. He's like, oh, this, uh, someone brought me Holy Communion today. And he's like, I, I don't think he was a deacon. Maybe. He was just a holy layman. And, and I was so grateful he brought me Holy Communion. And I'm like, <laughs> he's, this, he's this priest that's in the hospital, just dressed in a gown, and some layman brings him Jesus. Uh, and yet, even though someone was doing that, quote, priestly duty to him. Like I, I saw him as a priest, just like offering his life. And that's that priest gives hope to people by dying. Um, yeah. Well, and Rob, if I can maybe go back to something that you've said in previous podcasts is that um, it, it kind of gives you a vision that it's, it's possible. Like it, it's, things are possible here even when they seem totally impossible and not because of me or not because of anything I'm doing, but like I've seen a guy do be hopeful before in the worst situation. And it makes me realize that it's, it is possible to have hope even in really difficult situations. Um, yeah. And well, so I, I mean, I guess I asked, a question to a really practical question to y'all is like right now, what do you, what are you hoping? I use that phrase all the time and I frick, I don't use it well. <laughs> I use that phrase all the time. I hope the family's doing well. I hope da da da. Oh yeah. Hope life is good. Hope life is good. Hope this message finds you well. Like, or maybe that's the right way to use it. I don't know. I guess you've you've noodled my brain. So I guess really practically. <laughs> Sorry, that just made me laugh. Noodled your brain. <laughs> you noodled my noodle. Um, what does uh, Ron Burgundy say? He's like mind bottling. It's like your mind. It's like your <laughs> like your mind's a bottle, and you just shook it up, and it's all bubbling. <laughs> like it's a carbonated beverage <laughs> um i mean so okay so in these times right now when things are less than ideal there's still authentic hope that means each of these moments it, there's no there's nothing empty that's happening right now there's meaning and god's presence and all of it so then what how do you hope like, what does that look like practically right now for you guys? The only thing that comes to mind, and this is stuff we've like talked about already um, together. I don't know if it's been on a cast, but um, it's just, and again, like it's totally mixed with like confusion and pessimism, <laughs> frankly, about like what's going on in the world. And like, man, Lord, it just seems like you have upended 
things with where I thought your will was going on a lot of stuff, you know? Um, but I don't know, man. It's just like, to me, it just keeps coming back to like gratitude, but not as sub, not even as something I'm choosing. It's just like a fruit I'm noticing somehow of like, yeah, you, you could look at things being so different, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but it's, it's like, whoa. And yet like here, this person is like right in front of me and yeah, had everything not gone the way that it's gone in the last five months, I wouldn't have had like this encounter with this person or I wouldn't have known like Jesus more in this way. And so I, that's kind of, I'm leaving it a little vague. I don't want to like share over share as they say. Um, but like, I guess for me and I'm confused at like myself in this. So I just, I share that of like, man, I have like really deep and authentic gratitude right now. Um, and I feel like that's been given to me. So I think that's what hope is, but I don't know how to define it. Hmm. Connor, what are you hoping in? Yeah, I guess. Hoping um, for. Hope life's good. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> uh, I think where my hope is at is that I am seeing signs that quarantine was a time of some pretty massive spirit movement in people. And I'm just seeing the, the fruit of that a little bit. Um, and that, that gives me hope. And, and to me, what hope looks like practically is continuing to get up, make my bed until the garden here, you know, do the little kid, just keep going. Um, I think it's what the, the practiced virtue of hope looks like is that you, although everything you ever do or make is going to crumble into dust and end up in the fire of some volcano someday when the world is consumed in fire or just black darkness. That's the kind of, there he is. There he is. Yeah. But it's still worth doing, you know, cause in, in God's providence, it all, it all makes sense, you know? Yeah. And, and you see these little signs in that, you know, what is the C.S. Lewis line? Once you see the, I think it's joy, not hope he's talking about, but they're like signposts pointing to heaven. And you don't, once you realize it's a signpost for Jerusalem, you don't sit and look at the sign. You keep going because you'd rather be in Jerusalem, you know. Instead of staring at a sign. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, that's also a Pauline idea, living into things unseen and so it's like, no, I actually believe that this moment is full of of God's presence, even though I, I can't really see it. And I don't even know what that's specifically supposed to look like. I'm going to live right now as if that is true, which is is like living into hope. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe that's a good distinction. The practiced virtue of hope, um, cultivating the theological gift of like somebody's going to provide for me. 
here or or this moment is being provided for me mm, i think that's it i like that better that sounded right we did it right my heart jumped a little there mm. uh-huh. wow Guys, I'm a little nervous that my my sound didn't come through. My, I'm just seeing your your guys' sound is really tall. Do you guys see the, the little <laughs> waveforms? No, dude. I'm I'm hopeful that it's okay. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> okay, nice. Here's hoping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like no. if we just if we just hope, it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. I think that's what it means. That's what we. Well, if you at. if it doesn't happen, you didn't pray right or hard enough. That's right. That's true. That's right. Yeah, I I just think about the whole experience with Haiti. Like, dude, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what positive outcome could you possibly hope for there? <laughs> Zero. None. That's a that's a goose egg. I think, man, maybe that's why that's such a poignant experience. Is like, wow, how am I experiencing hope? In this desolate wasteland of a beautiful country with yeah, beautiful no, people. And I think like, again, just starting to read like Benedict a little bit on it, man, of it, it's like a hope is a bigger thing than, than that of like you did experience hope and like that's you, you can't sum up the, the encounter or the experience with it there. Yeah. It's weird. But it does lead you to seek out dark places and people who are suffering, <laughs> I think. Because that, that's also where I found the most hope is the Hades of my life. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you push it. Like you push it to the extremes. And yeah. I think that's where you really see the light. And 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 maybe I, I guess another thing that I'll notice is like Rob, you're talking about gratitude as being a fruit of of this hope, that the fruit kind of points you back to something that the Lord is doing and has been doing i I find peace to to be a a similar fruit that is an indicator that that hope has been present right sure sure and it's it's kind of that that whole thing man of like that's a big distinction to say no in this moment like you know i'm hopeful that someone will like come and take care of me versus like no, in this moment, I know that someone is taking care of me right now. Yeah. Yeah. All this talk of fruit, I'm going to have to go ahead and send you a picture of this Trinity tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, I, please. Yeah. Please. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't already sent it. There does seem to be something happening there. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Wow. I mean, I've seen some potato chips that look like the Blessed Mother, but I have never seen anything like that. that you're yep. the new St. Patrick with tomatoes. Right. Yeah. I just hope it I just hope it lasts and doesn't rot cuz I'm definitely going to be using this for Trinity Sunday next year. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it, I just hope the world knows about this tomato someday. Aww. If uh, if an orc was a tomato, it would be this. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a malformed, um, pig-faced tomato. It's an imperfect food, man, but it's still lovable. 
I don't know about that. I, I, I claim that tomatoes didn't exist before the fall. You don't like them? They're awful. Wow. Yeah, I, I actually vomit when I eat them. <laughs> that was an overshare. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, well, it just came out, like, just like the tomatoes. It yeah. just, but I am working on, on liking them. Hmm. Man, it's awful. I I dislike tomatoes. Do y'all have any foods like that? And then I got to go that are like absolutely repulsive to you guys. Um, um I, I don't gag, love mushrooms. Once when I, I tried eat them to on eat pizza. a mango. Or not a mango. Oh, Mangoes are awesome. What are you talking about? I can't remember. I think it was a mango. It was some what? really Mangoes. Pul- really pulpy. I like the flavor was okay, but the texture maybe Oh, no. Mangoes. No, no. No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. You are talking about a papaya. Papaya. No, the papaya is like a banana kind of <laughs> gushy. No. That also made what? me gag. Yeah. I didn't no, like the papaya. You're talking about a papaya. Yes. When I'm looking at it. Papayas <laughs> are not great. Papayas mm-hmm. are not great. Mangoes are dynamite, though. <laughs> no, Connor. You're wrong. You do like mangoes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like papayas. <laughs> Dude, if you didn't like mangoes, it, this might be the ultimate episode, okay? Yeah. Because I hope you have a good life. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for season nine here. Or season 10. Season 10. Uh, uh, season, season, <laughs> season, season 10. Uh, and I also forgot to give another uh, shout out to uh, Katie and Marie and the Dryer family, who I had a uh, very fun dinner with last Saturday sometime. Well, this has been torn from space and time by the time the world listens to this. So at some undisclosed time, we had a great dinner. So shout out to y'all. Nice. I think we were on to give a shout out to a Rebecca from that email that we got. Yes. Yes. So, shout out to Rebecca. Yes. Rebecca. Yes. Beautiful. All right, guys. Good talk. All right. Enjoy your mangoes. Thanks. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.